Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. Well, the Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 3 and verses 10 to 14. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Well, we continue our series through the book of Galatians, entitled Freedom in Jesus. And today we're looking at Galatians chapter 3 and verses 10 to 14, where, where Paul gives us probably one of the clearest uh, explanations of, firstly, why Jesus had to die, and secondly, what Jesus' death actually achieved for us. And so, today's Palm Sunday. And it's the day when we remember how Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem as a king riding on a donkey. But what the crowd failed to realize was that Jesus had come to give his life as a ransom. Jesus had come to die. Why? Why, why is that? Well, this passage answers that question. And so before we, we look at what Jesus' death actually achieved for us, we first need to understand why Jesus had to die. Uh, what, what, what was our problem? What was our greatest need? So what is our greatest need? Paul writes in verse 11, Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. One of our greatest needs, and ultimately our greatest need, is to be justified before God. But but what does that mean? (laughs) What does justified before God mean? Well, you know, in the Bible, we we often hear the phrase where, where God says, walk before me. Now, what does it mean to walk before someone? Well, of course, it's a metaphor. It's the opposite of going behind someone's back. To walk before someone is to be in a relationship of complete openness and transparency. To to walk before someone means you walk in where you can see them and they can see you. Uh, You walk in before them means that there's there's complete transparency. There's nothing to hide. There's no guilt. There's no shame. You're able to look each other in the eye with, with nothing to hide. And so to be justified before God is to be in a relationship where you're completely open, completely trans- transparent, and in an intimate relationship with God. And of course, the word justified comes from the law courts where a, a judge would give his verdict, where he would either uh, pronounce someone condemned, he would either condemn you, or he would justify you. So justified is the opposite of being condemned. It means to be declared not guilty. It means to be innocent. Innocent so that you can enjoy this intimate, open, transparent relationship with God. And, and we've all been created to, to be in this relationship, this open, intimate relationship with God. But, but so often, rather than walking before God, 
And enjoying this relationship, we, we like Adam and Eve, we hide. And we try to cover our nakedness and our shame. You know, unlike a little toddler, you know how a toddler has no inhibitions whatsoever. You know, they're just, they're just completely transparent, completely innocent, pure innocence. But unlike them, we are so self-conscious. The idea of being observed is like the worst idea ever. I mean, having someone watching you all the time and, 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 and seeing what you're doing and, and knowing who you really are and knowing what's going on inside your heart, well, that, that's just like hell. I mean, that's the worst thing ever. And so we want to hide. And we have this real tension within us because we created to be in this relationship with God. And so we, on the one hand, we have this deep earning, this deep desire to be in this open, intimate relationship with God. But on the other hand, we feel the need to hide from God. Why is that? Why is that? Well, that's our problem. <laughs> that's our problem. And Paul says in verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Okay, now what on earth is that all about? I mean, what's that about? Okay, we need to understand something of the cultural context over here. This is covenantal language. This is a, this is a covenant. See, in in those days, if you wanted to establish a relationship, it's all about a relationship. If you wanted to establish a relationship, be it a relationship between two countries, two business partners, or a husband and a wife, if you want to establish a relationship, you would form a covenant. A covenant was an agreement. It was agreement on how this relationship was going to work. And so each covenant had stipulations, laws, rules, boundaries. For, for, for any relationship to work, you need boundaries. You can't have a relationship without some form of boundary. And then they would have a list of curses. And then they would have a list of blessings. And the curses were if, essentially, if you were not faithful to the covenant, you would be cursed. And if you were faithful to the covenant, then you would be blessed. Now, this just kind of sounds like a bit weird to us. Like, what's that all about? We need to bear in mind it's all about relationship. The curse was essentially the natural consequences of a broken relationship. And, and the ultimate curse is the loss of relationship. Conversely, the blessing was the natural consequences of a, a good relationship. And, and, and ultimately, the, the, curse, uh, the, the blessing was the intimacy of relationship. So the curse is the loss of relationship. The blessing is the intimacy of relationship. Just, just think about a marriage, for example. Every marriage needs to have rules and boundaries. Uh, that, that's called the marriage vows. That's what the vows are all about. That's the covenant. That's the stipulation, the vows. And if you're faithful to your marriage vows, it leads to blessing. And the blessing is that intimacy of relationship. However, if you're unfaithful to your marriage vows, if you, you don't love and cherish each other, if you're selfish and unkind, if you're unfaithful, it leads to a loss of intimacy. It, it, it leads to a breakdown in relationship. It leads to pain and heartache and suffering, and ultimately it leads to a loss of relationship. That's a curse. 
So God wanted to have a relationship with us, so he forms a, a covenant with us through Moses. And God gives Moses the stipulations of the covenant, known as the book of the law, uh, the, you know, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and so on. These are the stipulations of the covenant. And we can find these uh, stipulations of the covenant in the book of, of Deuteronomy. It's a book in the Old Testament. And at the, well, and the essence of those stipulations is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it forms how, it forms the stipulations of how this relationship is going to work. And it's, you know, this is how we need to relate to God. And this is how we need to relate to other people if we are in a relationship with God. It's all about relationships. And then at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 27, you have a list of curses, which is essentially the loss of relationship if you aren't faithful to the covenants. And then in chapter 28, you have a list of blessings, which is all the blessings you will experience, the intimacy of relationship you will experience if you are faithful to covenants, if you're faithful to the stipulations. But here's our problem. Paul in verse 10, quotes from the end of Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he says, It is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So, so in order to, to enjoy that right relationship with God, in order to be justified before God, we have to do everything written in the book of the law, we have to be faithful to all the stipulations and requirements of covenant. And that's our problem, is because we aren't always faithful, are we? No one is able to obey everything, all those stipulations in the covenant. We make mistakes, we get things wrong. And there's been a time in, in everyone's life when we have turned our backs on God and we've tried to do things our own way rather than God's way because we like to be the boss. Why is that? It's because of our heart. Our heart's sinful. Our heart is selfish, self-centered, and greedy. We always want to be first. Now, of course, all of us at some point in our life have done very self selfless things. We've done wonderful acts of kindness, and we've demonstrated great love. But if we're honest, there's also been times when we've been selfish when we haven't treated others the way we would like to be treated. Well, at least that's true for me. But you see, I get tired and irritable with people, especially when they're stupid, do stupid things, like driving slow in front of me. And we don't always treat people the way we want to be treated. And there, there are times in my life where I wish I could go back in time and redo things and, and undo things and Take back those words, those hurtful words I said. But I can't. And so I'm left with regret. And I feel guilt. And I feel ashamed. Guilt is feeling bad for the things you've done. Shame is feeling bad for who you are. This is the curse. And because of my guilt and because of my shame, I'm unable to, 
to enjoy that open and transparent relationship with God. And it leads to a, a, a broken relationship with God. It leads to a loss of relationship with God. And that too is the curse. And our real problem is, without God, we die. We die forever. The, 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 the consequence of not being in a right relationship with God, the consequence of a loss of relationship with God is that we we die, we experience eternal death. This is the curse. This is the problem. What is the solution? The solution is God Himself comes and rescues us from the mess that we've made of our lives. Jesus comes and does for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we read in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now to redeem means to set free. So Jesus has set us free from the curse. How? By becoming a curse for us. And to, to show that Jesus was cursed, Paul quotes... From Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 23, and he says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Now, in those days, when they executed a, a criminal or an enemy, they would hang the dead body on a pole to add further insult and as a public warning. As a deterrent. I mean, this was very common practice in the ancient world. You would hang your enemy on the city wall or up on a pole as a deterrent. And Roman execution by crucifixion was essentially that. Being nailed to the cross was essentially being hung up on a pole. And of course, it was extremely degrading. But more than that, it was seen as a sign of God's rejection. It, it, it was seen as a sign of divine curse. And so when Jesus was nailed to the cross, it was a clear sign to all the Jews of that time that Jesus had been cursed. But the question is, why was he cursed? Had he done anything wrong? Did he deserve it? No. He was the only person in history who never sinned. He was the only person in history who fully obeyed all the requirements, all the stipulations, all the laws of the covenant. He obeyed them and fulfilled them perfectly. Where others failed, he succeeded. So why was he cursed? It says he was cursed for us. He was cursed for me. He was cursed for you. He was cursed in our place so that we could be spared the curse, so that we could be rescued and set free from the curse. What does it mean that he became a curse? Do you notice it doesn't say that he was cursed, but he became a curse. Does that mean he actually became sinful when he was on the cross, that he actually started becoming rebellious and selfish and, and evil on the cross? 
No, of course not. I mean, when Jesus was on the cross and the thief next to him said, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom, Jesus didn't reply, may you rot in hell. No. So it doesn't mean he became sinful. So what does it mean? It means that he was legally treated as if he was sinful. He, he was treated as if he was me. He was treated as if he was you. He was treated as if he was the most evil, sinful person in the world. What exactly was this curse? This curse was my guilt and my shame was put on to Jesus, was transferred to Jesus. The, the, the death that I deserved was transferred and put on to Jesus. And, and the essence of the curse, which is a loss of relationship, that too was transferred and put on to Jesus. And Jesus, for the first time in eternity, experienced what it's like to have a loss of relationship with his Father. Far more painful than the nails in his hand was the pain in his heart. Death by crucifixion is one of the cruelest and most painful ways to die. But far greater than the physical pain, far greater than the emotional pain of being betrayed and deserted by your friends, far greater than that was the spiritual pain. And Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For on the cross, Jesus experienced what it's like to be rejected by the Father. God himself experienced what it's like to be God forsaken. This is often uh, referred to as the self-substitution of God. Imagine if, if this hand represents us. And we want to be in a relationship with God. And then imagine that this iPad represents the curse, my guilt, and my shame. And it's preventing me from having a relationship with God. On the cross, my guilt, my shame was transferred onto Jesus. So I'm now free. To enter into and enjoy that intimate, transparent relationship with God. But it's even more than that. There's what we call a great exchange. Not only was my curse put onto Jesus, but Jesus' blessing was put onto me. And we read. In verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we may receive the promise of the Spirit. Okay, so what is this blessing? This blessing given to Abraham? Well, it's the blessing of the covenant. It's that blessing of being in a right relationship with God, that open, intimate, transparent relationship. It's the blessing of being justified before God. 
And of course, that blessing leads to life. It leads to eternal life. And it's only made possible when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, comes into you and transforms you, makes you into a new creation, makes you into a child of God, and enables you to pray to God, to cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit enables you to have such an intimate relationship with God that you can call God Daddy. But surely we don't deserve this blessing. I mean, we haven't fulfilled all the stipulations, all the laws of the covenant. Surely we deserve curse, not blessing. So how, how do we, why do we deserve this blessing? Well, it says, through Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus fully fulfilled and obeyed all the stipulations, all the laws of the covenant. He is the only person who truly loved God with all his heart and loved and truly loved neighbor as himself. He fulfills the covenant. Covenant. Therefore, he deserves the blessing. He has earned the right to be blessed. And then we have this great exchange. He takes our curse upon himself, and then he gives us his blessing. Jesus gets what we deserve, and we get what Jesus deserved. Jesus is treated like us. Jesus is treated like as if he's me, and I get treated as if I'm Jesus. We get a whole new status. We become a child of God, and we can enter into that intimate relationship with God, that same intimate relationship that Jesus had with his Father. Do you, do you realize how awesome this is? You see, if Jesus just took the curse, all we get is forgiveness. I think most people think that's what we get. We just, well, we just get forgiveness. But you realize what that means. If you just get forgiveness, what it means is you back on. It means you know, all your past sins have been forgiven, but now you back on. The pressure's back on. You better be good. But we don't just get forgiven. We get treated as if we're Jesus. We get the blessing of Jesus. We become, we get a whole new status. We become a child of God. Why would Jesus do this for us? Why would he take our curse and give us his blessing? We read in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus did that because he loves you. He loves you so much that he came and he died for you. It's not that he just loved the world. He loved you. He died for you. If you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus would have come and died for you. It is that personal. You see, you are loved. Your worth is what you're worth to God. And you are of infinite value to God because Jesus died for you. That is how much he loves you. On the 31st of July, 1941, the Auschwitz sirens announced the escape of a prisoner. 
As a reprisal, ten of the fellow prisoners would die. A long, slow death by starvation in a specially constructed underground bunker. All the prisoners were made to line up and the German commandant and his Gestapo assistant walked between the ranks of the prisoners to select quite arbitrary ten prisoners. As the commandant pointed to one man, Francis Gujonovzek, he cried out in despair, No! My poor wife! My kids! Please! No! At that moment, an unimpressive figure of a man with sunken eyes and round glasses and wire frames stepped out of the line and said, I am a Catholic priest. I want to die in the place of that man. He has a wife and a family. I am alone. I want to die in his place. This man was Father Maximilian Kolb, a Polish priest. His offer was accepted and that night nine men and one priest went into the starvation bunker. While they were there, he comforted the other men by leading them in prayers and hymns. And then after two weeks of being in the starvation bunker, he and three other men were still alive. And so on the 14th of August 1941, a Nazi doctor went into the bunker and injected them with a lethal injection. And so finally Father Maximilian Kolb died at the age of 47. Francis was 41 years old at the time. Eventually he was freed, he was set free, and he went on to see his wife and his children, eventually he even saw his grandchildren. He eventually died at the age of 93. He had a full life, but none of this would have been possible if Father Maximilian Kolb had not died in his place. And in an even more remarkable way, Jesus has died for you. We were under a curse and Jesus said, I want to die for you so that you can have life, so you can experience forgiveness and freedom and eternal life. I want to die for you because I love you. Wow, that is the the amazing love of God. And you know what is so mind-blowing? Is that he, he, he loves us so much that he died for you, but do you realize that there is absolutely nothing we have to do to earn this love and acceptance? In fact, there's nothing we can do to earn this. Jesus has done it all for us on the cross. All we have to do to receive this love and this blessing is simply put our faith in Jesus. And we can do that by praying the simple prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I am sorry for all the mistakes I have made in my life. Please forgive me. Please come into my life by your Spirit. Do you want to pray that prayer today? Do you want to surrender your life to Jesus and receive his blessing Today, because you can do that right now, simply in the quietness of your heart, you can pray that prayer and receive forgiveness and freedom and life and blessing. 
And you can receive the Holy Spirit and receive the love of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.